Welcome to New Birth Christian Ministries. We are glad you are joining us today. Our services will begin shortly. Here at New Birth, our mission is to transform our families, our schools, our community, and our city by introducing everyone to Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that Christ will change their hearts and baptize them into His family by the Holy Spirit called New Birth. The New Birth experience will begin shortly. Kids with the Word of God. This Friday, this Friday is going to be our prayer service. This Friday is going to be our first Friday prayer service. So we are asking that you begin to come out to our first Friday prayer service. It is going to be at 7 p.m. this Friday in the Young Adult Sanctuary. I said it last time, and we're in the Young Adult Sanctuary right now. But my prayer is that by the end of the year, we have outgrown the Young Adult Sanctuary. And that we are moving prayer service into the main sanctuary. Amen. Just based off of sheer numbers, just based off the sheer amount of people that are coming there. So my prayer is that you will begin to ask God to move whatever it needs to be moved in your schedule so that you can make it out to First Friday prayer service because it is an awesome time in the Lord just for us to just sit there and just to begin to think about the good things that God has done and just to take some time to really begin to serve and begin to listen to God. Amen. Amen. We are going to be in a very familiar passage uh, today for, for some of our Bible readers. We are moving into a series. We are moving into a new series. It is called Broken. It is called Broken on the path, on the, on the road to Easter. Broken on the road to Easter. As we know that the church, we are, in, um, we are in a fasting time. We are in a fasting season to where we are fasting until um, Easter comes. And then we're going to praise God and we're going to have a glorious um, Friday night service. And then we're going to have a glorious Sunday morning service for Easter. But we are on the road to Easter. But in order for us to really, in order for us to really understand the magnitude and the power of Easter, watch this, we have to be his disciple. We have to be his disciple. We have to be someone where we just came out of a series called We Follow Jesus. We begin to talk about all of the benefits that it comes with with following Jesus. We begin to talk about all of the great things that come with following Jesus, but now we are going to see what it costs to follow Jesus. This, this, us following Jesus, salvation is free. We, all we got to do is repent, and all we got to do is confess, and then he's going to save us. But when we become a disciple, it is going to cost us something. So we are in the book of Mark, chapter number 8, and I'm going, I want to set a stage. I, I want to set the scene. I'm, I'm going to read Mark 8, 31 through 38. Mark 8, 31 through 38, and then I'm going to go ahead and set the stage. Mark 8, 31 through 38, it says this, and he began to teach them. That the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after thee, after three days, shall rise again. And he spake openly, saying, and Peter took him and began to rebuke Jesus. But he had turned about and looked at his disciples, and he rebuked Peter, saying, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest not the things of God, but the things of man. And we had called up the people to him and the disciples. He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whatsoever will, so whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But 
whosoever shall lose his life for the sake of the gospel, the same shall save it. For what shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whatsoever therefore, shame, um, whosoever therefore should be ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed. And when he come into the glory of the father and with his angels. Dear most precious heavenly father God we say thank you. We ask that we begin to soak up your word, God. We ask that you remove all distractions from us right now. Allow this living word to find a lodging place in our heart so that we may not sin against it. And we will forever give your name all the glory and all the honor. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said amen and amen. This, this lesson is going to be a tough lesson. This lesson isn't going to be one that um, we honestly want to hear, especially in this season, especially in this type of generation. But let me go ahead and set the stage for you. Um, Jesus had just asked his disciples a question. He had asked, just asked the disciples a question in the, earlier in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 8. He said, who do men say that I am? And they begin to ask, and they begin to answer, and they say, well, the world says um, that you're Elijah, and the world says that you are John the Baptist. They begin to talk about who the world says that Jesus is. And then Jesus asks another question. He says, well, who do you say that I am? He's talking to his disciples at this moment. He's talking to the people that have followed Jesus. He's talking to the people that he has handpicked. He's talking to the people that have been right there. And Peter got the answer right. And he said, thou art the Christ. And it was interesting to me because this is a moment to where God is not asking a question in order to seek information, but he is asking a question in order to drop revelation. He is asking this question because he wants them to see that maybe you may know me as the Christ, but you don't know the full me. You may know a portion of me, but you don't know the full me. So he asks that question because Jesus knows the ending before the beginning. So he's asking them this question in order to drop some revelation. So now we go down to verse number 31. We go down to verse number 31. And, uh, and this is the first time that Jesus is going to tell them the end of the story. This is the first time that Jesus is going to tell them what is going to happen to him and what his disciples are going to go through. Um, I, I am um, I'm not normal when it comes to the sense of movies. I'm not normal when it comes to the sense of movies. Um, one thing that I love doing is I love learning about the ending of the movie before I go watch the movie. I am the spoiler alert king. Do not ask me about a movie that you haven't seen because I will tell you in great detail what is about to happen. I, I will literally go and watch a 10-minute YouTube video about how this movie is about to end because I don't like sad endings. I want to know if this is going to be a happy ending or not. I'm, like, I'm not about to waste my time in two hours in a movie theater with a sad ending. I, I just don't like it. That's just me. But I know many of us, we do not like the ending to be spoiled. 
we are like, do not tell me what is about to happen. Don't talk to me in the movie theater. I don't want to hear. I don't want you to ask me any questions. I'm watching it for the first time just like you are. We, we are people who don't want to know the end because we want to get the excitement as it begins to build up. But Jesus begins to tell his disciples the end while they are going through it. And then he says this, look, look at the revelation he is trying to drop in verse number 31. It says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and of the scribes and be killed. And after three days shall rise again. After three days shall rise again. Um, this is a hard lesson to hear. Because we must put ourselves in the position that the disciples were in. Um, the disciples just earlier in, in the book of Mark, they had just seen Jesus feed 4,000 people. Earlier in the book of Mark, they had just seen um, Jesus begin to correct the Pharisees. They had just begun to see how Jesus began to heal somebody who was blind. They had just saw all of that, and now Jesus is saying, the same people who I just corrected, the same people who I just healed, the same people who are following me, these are the same people who are about to kill me. I, I can relate to the disciples at that moment. Because they just told him, like, Jesus, you just asked who you said who do you think we are? We just said it to the Christ, like, you're the Messiah, you're, you're, you're the chosen one, you're the anointed one. But you're sitting here telling me that you're about to be beat. You're sitting here telling me that you're about to die. You're sitting here telling me that, that the same people who, who you just said that you're greater than, they are going to come in and they're going to kill you. And, and we know that this was a hard lesson for the disciples to see. Because look at what verse number 32 says. It says, and he spake openly, saying, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Jesus had just told him. He was teaching them. He had just told them everything that was about to happen. And Peter, the one who had just got the answer correct, turned around and rebuked Jesus. This was not a normal rebuking. This was not a, just a stern talking to. The word rebuke here in the text is the same word that is used to where Jesus began to rebuke demons out of a young girl. So pretty much what Peter is saying, he is telling, he is telling Jesus to shut up. He is telling Jesus, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not on that. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think you missed the mark right here. And my first lesson for us here today is we cannot allow our emotions to impact what we hear. We cannot allow our emotions to impact what we hear. Um, I, have, I have three sons. I have three sons. I have a, a, a soon-to-be 14-year-old. I have a 2-year-old, and I have a 2-month-old. Um, one thing that I have found out in, in fathering is that most of, our, most of my kids, not most of them, all kids, they have this thing called selective hearing. They hear what they want to hear, when they want to hear. My wife can attest to you that it's just not the kids that have selective hearing, but I have selective hearing. <laughs> 
I hear what I want to hear, and I don't hear what I don't want to hear. Uh -uh. Here we have Peter who has selective hearing. His, his emotions are getting the best of him. His emotions are saying, listen, Jesus, um, I just seen all of the miracles that you have done, but um, you're wrong on this one. The same way you cast out demons is the same way I'm going to cast you out. And I know we would never say this about, we would never say this that we are like Peter in this moment. I know that we would never say that we will rebuke Jesus. But oftentimes our lives begin to dictate a different story and that we begin to rebuke Jesus because Jesus will begin to tell us some things. But because we don't want to hear, we begin to turn our back on him. There are going to be some things that God is going to tell you that you are not going to want to hear. There are going to be some things that you are going to have to do that God is going to tell you to do it, and you are not going to want to do it. And we won't say, I rebuke you, Jesus, like Peter did. We will just be disobedient and won't do what he has called us to do. We will begin to sit on our gifts. We will begin to sit on our talents because God, we know that God is calling us to it. But because the enemy is so crafty and because the enemy is such a great deceiver that we will begin to not do what God has called us to do because we will listen to the voice of the enemy and we will begin to drown out the voice of God. God is going to put you into some uncomfortable positions. God is going to put you into some uncomfortable places that we really don't want to be. But we cannot be like Peter and allow our emotions, allow our emotions to dictate what we hear. You see, the, the enemy will begin to use our emotions to begin to confuse what we hear. The enemy will begin to say, uh... I know that God said this, just like he did with Eve in the garden. I know God said this, but, uh, but did he really mean that? I, I, I know God called you to do something, but did he really mean that? I, I, I know, I know that, 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 that you are supposed to be, to be doing this great thing, but we are sitting and we are settling because we are so afraid to take a leap of faith and we are so afraid to take a step out that God is saying, um, I need you to not allow your emotions to get the best of you. And then here it is, here it is. Some of us are doing certain things that we know God is not telling us to do. Some of us are in relationships that God told us that we shouldn't be in. Some of us are in friendships that God is telling us that we shouldn't be doing. Some of us are in careers that we shouldn't be doing. Some of us are scrolling certain social media accounts that we shouldn't be scrolling. Some of us are watching certain websites that we shouldn't be scrolling. Some of us are listening to certain music that we shouldn't be listening to. Some of us are watching certain TV shows that we shouldn't be listening to. Some of us are doing certain things that we know that God is calling us out to do. But because we don't want to hear what he's saying... We just ignore him. We will just begin to turn our back, and we won't say that we rebuke him. Oh, no, we just won't do what he has called us to do. And then 
the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, is, is that I love this. I love this because um, sometimes I feel like Peter. Um, sometimes I feel, I feel like Peter um, because we know that life is going to hit us. We know that life is going to do certain things. And then um, we begin to come into the faith. And then we think that because we are now believers that everything is supposed to work out just all, all honky-dory. That, that everything is supposed to be perfect. That we are not supposed to suffer any persecution. See, sometimes I, I, I feel um, like Peter, especially early on um, in my walk. Because I seen it and I was like, God, I'm doing everything that you have told me to do. God, I'm walking how you told me to walk. But yet and still, life is still life. Yet and still, I am still going through certain situations. Some of y'all are out here. And y'all be like, I've been to church three weeks in a row. But yet and still, I'm still single. I've been praying every single day. Yet and still, I haven't found my man. Um, um, I've, been, I've been fasting. I've been doing everything that you've been telling me to do. Yet and still, I am unemployed. Some of us, we are going through certain things. And we are thinking that God is not with us because we have a view of God that may not be accurate. You see, Peter had a view of God that was not accurate. Peter thought that Jesus was supposed to come down here and set up his kingdom here on earth. And why wouldn't he think that? Why, why wouldn't he? All of the great things that Jesus was doing, all of, he was setting everyone straight. He was healing the blind. He was doing all of these good things. But yet and still, he is saying, um, you about to die? You're about to leave us. You're about to be beat. You're about to be bruised because we must understand that they heard things differently than how we hear things. Because they really follow Christ. And if they saw that, that Jesus was about to be beaten, they knew that that was about to be their tale also. They, they knew that if Jesus had to go through all of that persecution, that was about to be their tale also. That's why I'm glad that we go to a church to where our pastors and our leadership, they are open and honest about things. They are not saying that everything in their life is perfect. They go through things just how we go through things. So if we begin to look at our leadership and see how God began to bring them out. The same God that brought them out is the same God that's going to bring us out. We will suffer on this side. And you see, um, um, they thought that he was supposed to set his empire up. And then he began to teach how the son of man is going to suffer many things. How he's going to be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests. Um, he, he did not want to hear. He allowed his emotions to dictate what he was hearing. And watch this. Watch what verse number 33 says. Watch what verse number 30, 33 says. It says that when Peter had turned and looked, but when he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things to be good, God, but the things of men. We have to see that Satan is a deceiver. This is somebody who was walking with God. This is somebody who was close with God. This is somebody who, who understood, like God had picked him, like he was the one that was a, was a spokesperson for all of the disciples. He had just got the answer right. But yet and still, he still allowed Satan to begin to come in and begin to speak through him. I'm not saying that he was filled with Satan at that moment, but he is like many of us. 
And it's hard sometimes to think about the things of God and not the things of men. We have to make a, a conscious and contemplated effort to think of things of God and not to think of things of men. Because our flesh, our nature is just all about ourselves. He was just being like some of us. He was just being selfish. And he thought that him being selfish was a good thing at that moment. It is hard to think of things of God. It is hard to think how I move, how I maneuver, how, how I do things. That It is just not about me, but it's about the God that is in me. And when we begin to think about just our flesh, when we begin to think about just ourselves, that's when we begin to allow Satan to begin to speak through us because we are not thinking of the things of God, but we are thinking of the things of men. I know that's tight. I know that's tight, but it's right. And you see, Jesus recognized this. Jesus recognized this, and that's why he didn't speak to Peter. He spoke directly to Satan. Because when Jesus was in the wilderness and when he was fasting for 40 days, he said, listen, all you got to do is bow down and worship me. And I will give you all the desires of your heart. That's, that's what he had told Jesus. And what Peter was saying at this moment was like, listen, you don't have to go through all of that suffering. You don't have to go through all of that turmoil. You, you, don't, you don't have to die. You, you can take the shortcut. You can begin to not think about the suffering. You can begin to not think about the things that you have to give up. You, you can just go ahead and take the shortcut. I, I'm telling my teens right now, we have our discipleship. I, I, I'm instructing them that um, just because it's easy, that doesn't mean that it's God. Just because it's easy, that does not mean that it's God. I, I'm teaching them that they have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, that they have to be in, so in tune with God, that they have to begin to learn that there are good things and that there are God things. And just because it's a good thing, that does not mean that it's a God thing. Because God has something more on their life than they may have for some of their classmates. I begin to show them the instructions. I begin to teach them, like, um, you may um, be certified to take AP calculus. Um, you, may be, um, you may be so smart to take AP calculus, but you want to be with your friends and take Math 11. It's nothing wrong with taking Math 11. It's nothing wrong with that at all. But what God is calling you through, God is saying that you're going to take a little bit of a harder road because I have something greater in store for you. So we have to begin to recognize when it's just a good thing and when it's a God thing. And the only way that we can recognize a good thing versus a God thing is if we have the Holy Ghost. Because the enemy will begin to come in and begin to show us good things and they are not God things. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through all of that stuff. But God is saying that I was put here on earth, not just to reign here on earth, but I was put here on earth to suffer for my children. Good things versus God things. We cannot allow our emotions to dictate what we have and what we hear. And you see, I begin to look at, I begin to look at that how he, he begins to rebuke Peter. And in verse number 34, it says this. He rebuked Peter, and he says this. He says, and when he had called the people unto him, to his disciples, 
He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Not only can we not allow our emotions to dictate what we hear when we become his disciple, but we must take up our cross. I heard a story a long time ago. It was, it was going through social media, and it was, it was a cute story. Uh, for a long time, I kind of believed it until I really began to study what it meant to take up your cross. And the story went like this. The story was like there was a young lady. She was carrying her cross, and she kept praying to Jesus and was like, Jesus, this cross that you gave me is too heavy. She was carrying this cross. She was like, this cross that you gave me is too heavy. So Jesus went and he told her, he said, listen, I'm going to take you to a room, and I want you to put your cross in there. And then in this room, you'll be able to pick out any cross that you can have, any cross that, that, that you can have. You can take somebody else's cross. So then she went into the room, and there were crosses that were so high that she couldn't even see the top of it. And then there was this one little cross that was in the corner. It was a little baby cross. She went, and she was like, I want to take that cross. And then that same cross that she took, Jesus was like, that was the same cross that you had just dropped off. That was a cute story. That was, that was a real, real cute story. Even y'all start, some of y'all start feeling that, like, man, well, that is cute right there. But that's not what the text means. He is not just saying that we need to take up our cross in order to carry these burdens of life on us. Because watch this. Burdens are going to come whether we're saved or whether we're not saved. Whether you have Jesus or whether you don't have Jesus, life is still going to come at you. Whether you believe in him or you don't believe in him, you are still going to suffer some things on this side of heaven. So he is not just saying, oh, this is my cross to bear. Oh, um, this, is not, this is what I am. Hey, we have to be considerate readers because the writers of the text, they were inconsiderate writers. What do you mean by that? Um, the writers of the text... They did not think or they did not know that in the year 2024, on this last Sunday of Black History Month, that we are going to be in a church preaching about this. Where we're going to be complaining that it's too hot. Where we're going to be complaining that it's too cold outside. Where we're going to be in our nice, comfortable chairs. Um, they did not consider that the people reading the text at this time will have these type of amenities. So what I mean that they were inconsiderate readers is that they were writing to a general, they were writing to a specific group, to a specific people. So we have to take that into account. We can't begin to enforce our own society into the society of the Bible. So we must begin to study. So when they heard that you must take up your cross, they heard something completely different than what we heard. You see the cross, I have the cross on the back of my phone. To us, it's a religious symbol. To them, it was a diabolical way of death. To them, it was the worst way that you could possibly die. So when Jesus is saying, hey, um, I just don't want my disciples to hear this, but I want all of y'all to hear this, that in order to follow me, in order to be one of my disciples, you have to take up your cross. That means that you have to begin to walk a life to where you are dying daily. This was a life that the, the cross to us is something that's beautiful. 
The cross to us is something that is lovely. The cross is something that, that when, um, when we put it on, when we're playing football, we put it on our hands, we put it up under our eyes, it represents something that is complete. To us, it is a religious symbol of freedom. But that's not what Jesus is saying in this text. He is saying, listen, that if you want to follow me, you're going to have to be ridiculed. That if you're going to have to follow me, that you're going to have to carry this crossbar. Listen, this crossbar was not easy to carry. This crossbar, it was a weight. You, you felt like that you had, like the weight of the world was, was on your shoulders because you're carrying this to a certain death. You know there was no way out of it. This was not a tormentative tool. This was not a tool in order to torment you, in order to get you to, to say something or to believe something. No, this was a tool to where you were certainly going to die. If you had this crossbar on your back, and he's saying this to his disciples, so I can only imagine how his disciples, how, how they were feeling like, Jesus, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. And, and oftentimes, I feel like that we give you a watered-down version of the gospel. That we say, all you got to do is just believe, and that's true. But you're going to have to carry your cross. You're going to have to be ridiculed. People are going to have to talk about you. You're going to have to carry something that you don't want to carry. And he says that you must take up your cross in order to follow me. We have to be willing to die. We have to be willing to get rid of all of this fleshly nature in order to carry. And listen, um, there is a difference between self-denial and denying self. There, there was a, diff a difference. So um, I felt my stomach was getting a little too big. Um, I felt like that, um, that my stomach was, was getting a little too big. So one of the things that I did was I began to cut out carbs in my, in my diet. I began to cut out carbs. I was like, you know what, I'm not going to eat any carbs. I just woke up one day, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to get rid of all carbs in my diet. And, and I did that. And a lot of food that I liked have carbs in it. But I denied myself, and I didn't eat those foods that I liked because I had a goal. But watch this. That goal was selfish. That goal was 100% self. I, I'm not going to insult Jesus and be like, well, that's my burden to bear. That's my cross to bear to where I, I can't eat carbs anymore. No, we have to understand that there is a difference between self-denial and denying self. Self-denial is something that we begin to choose, that we say that we're going to put down. Because it can be for selfish reasons. We are going through the Daniel fast right now. This is not your cross that you are carrying. Just because you can't eat steak, just because you can't have a cheesecake, that is not a cross that you are carrying. Yes, it is hard, but it is not a cross that you are carrying. Yes, it is a little difficult, but it is not a cross that you are carrying. When you begin to deny yourself, when you begin to say, for Christ I live and for Christ I die, I don't care 
care who is going to walk this thing out with me. I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to sit here and say that wrong is right and right is wrong. That's when you begin to deny yourself and begin to take up your cross because people are going to ridicule you and that's when you know you're carrying your cross. I don't want the enemy to come in and deceive you. You think you've been carrying your cross. You think, oh, man, I ain't had no, I ain't had no cake. In a while. I ain't had no apple pie in two weeks. That's my burden to bear. To God be the glory. That's just self-denial. But it's deeper than that. It is denying ourselves. It is saying that, God, no matter where you send me, I'm going to go. We have such a Western philosophy on the gospel. God may begin to send some of us to the remote port, uh, remote nations, and God may begin to send some of us to begin to preach the gospel to places to where they, want, they don't want to hear us. And God is saying, will you take up your cross and follow me? Will you deny yourself? Will, will you say that no matter what you're asking me to do, God, I'm going to do it. And no matter, no matter what, like, God, I'm, I'm, I may stumble. God, I'm going to fall. God, I'm going to fail. God, I'm going to mess up. But I'm going to keep that cross on my back. God, I'm not always going to hear from you. God, I'm going to be like Peter. But I'm going to keep that cross on my back. And he says that you must take up your cross and follow me. My last point is, my last point, my last point is we cannot allow emotions to begin to dictate what we hear. We must take up our cross. We must understand that taking up that cross means to die to yourself. That taking up that cross means you're going to have to carry, you're going to have to carry a heavy weight. My last point is I'll ask you a question. Will you turn away? Will you turn away? You see in John 6, 66, it says this. In John 6, 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples, they went back and walked with him no more. Some of y'all are sitting here right now and y'all are saying, man, that costs too much. Some of y'all are sitting here like, man, preacher, I hear what you're saying, but you telling me I got to die to myself? You telling me I got to be ridiculed? You, you, you telling me I got to give up everything that, 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 that I know? You telling me I, I got I to change the people that I hang out with? You, you, you're telling me that I have to love you so much that my love for you, that it looks like that I hate my mother and my father? You're telling me that I'm going to have to turn my back on the ones who raised me? You, you, you're telling me that I'm going to have to, you're telling me I'm going to have to give up? You're telling me I, I got to leave the streets? You're telling me I got to shut that website down? You're telling me I, I got to give up how I make my money? Man, that costs too much. I didn't come here for all of that. I came here to get a little encouragement. I came here because my girl said that she wanted me to come to church. I came here because old boy said that he wanted a church girl. 
I, I, I came here because um, the preachers up there, they, they preaching genes, so I know they can't be preaching the, the full gospel. I, I came here for something that was watered down. But I'm here to tell you that it's going to cost you something. That even there were disciples that were with Jesus and was like, hey, bro, I hear what you're saying, but uh, I'm good on that. They turned away, and they walked away from him. They turned their back. And what I'm saying is that everybody is not going to walk this walk with you. Everybody on your row is not going to walk this walk with you. Everybody in your contact list is not going to walk this walk with you. Pastor said it earlier that, that when you are carrying a cross, that is a one-person job. When you are carrying that crossbow, that is just for you to carry that cross. That is not for your mom to help you out with this, not for your dad to help you out with it, for your significant other. It is just for you to carry that cross. Because listen, you can lean on me all you want. You can lean on the pastors all you want. You can lean on the elders all you want. But listen, you're going to have to go to Jesus for yourself. You're going to have to go to him for yourself. Yes, come to us and ask us for advice. Yes, come to our Bible studies. Yes, come to our prayer services. But you need a relationship with him. Because that cross that you're going to carry is going to be heavy. And then I, I, I love it because I sit here and I look at it and I, I just, I'm going to wrap it up and I'm almost done. I promise you, uh, I'm going to wrap it up. He says that you must take up your cross and follow me. And many, they did not want to go. But as I began to look at this, as I began to look at this, um, God began to give me revelation on what this story really meant. So here it is. Here it is. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's telling his disciples, he said, listen, um, the son of man, he's going to have to suffer. He's going to have to go through all of this. But in three days, he's going to rise again. But listen, they didn't hear that. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't hear that. They just heard the suffering part. So then he went back and he told them that you're going to have to begin to carry your cross. You're going to have to begin to carry this cross. But he did not just say you're going to have to carry your cross. He said you're going to have to carry your cross and follow me. You got to carry your cross and follow me. Where was he going when he said you got to carry your cross and begin to follow me? I love this because it says this. For whosoever will save his life, in verse number 35, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, then shall he save it. What he is saying is that if you carry your cross, yes, you're going to die, but I'm going to give you life. If, if, if you carry this cross, it's going to seem like you're dying, but you're actually living. 
And he's saying that you actually haven't lived until you begin to die in me. That, that you're alive, but you actually haven't begun to live until you begin to die in me. So what he is saying is that once you begin, how oh my God, my God, that once you begin to carry this cross, that's when I'm going to give you life and that life more abundantly. Yes, it's going to seem like that you are dying, but you are only dying to the things that should have been dead anyway. But once you put that cross on your back, it began to live for me. It began to follow me. That's when it seems like that you're actually going to have this new life. That's when you're going to experience the new birth. Because to live is to actually die. And to die is to actually gain. So he is saying, I am not call, I am not just calling you in order to live this life. I'm not just calling you in order to live a life of suffering. I am not just calling you to live a life of defeat, but I am calling you to live a life in abundance because you are following me. I love it. I love it. I love it because it says this. It says this in, in, in Peter. It says that um, the people were suffering across the world. He said, listen, your brothers, y'all were suffering across the world. We're about to go to church. Y'all were suffering across the world. But after you suffered for a while. After you have suffered for a little while. After you have went through all the things that I have told you that you are going to go through. After Jesus has suffered on the cross. After Jesus had walked that walk. After Jesus was beaten and bruised. After Jesus had the crown of thorns put on his head. After Jesus was talked about. After Jesus was ridiculed. After Jesus had died. That's when he began to reign. So what he's saying is that after you begin to suffer just for a little while oh trust and believe I'm going to show you how good I am in your life oh trust and believe I'm going to show you that my children they're going to get some things in this life oh trust and believe that after you have suffered for a little while because weeping may endure for a night but joy but joy but joy, but joy, but joy, but joy, but joy. Your might may be six years. Your night may be six months. Your might, your night might be a while. But trust in the belief that joy is going to come in the morning light. So after you begin to suffer, after you begin to go through everything, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to say, I'm going to give y'all something because y'all begin to carry y'all's cross with me i feel my help coming on oh we do not believe in just a martyr jesus did not just get beat for no reason jesus did not just suffer for no reason but jesus the bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions oh he was bruised for our iniquities so that means that every time they begin to beat jesus they just wasn't beating jesus but 
but they were beating them for somebody like me. Every time they began to whoop Jesus, they weren't just whooping Jesus, they was whooping them so I can be free. Every single time they began to put the crown of thorns on his head, they began to do that so somebody like me can be free. Do I have any people out here that know that Jesus has freed you? Yes, you begin to suffer. Yes, you have went through something, but you have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Ah, uh, ah, uh, after, after, after you have suffered a while. Listen, in this walk, you are going to go through things. You are going to suffer through some things. You are going to be ridiculed. But that's not your whole life. That's not it. That's not your whole life. I, I, I'm here because God has blessed me. God has been good to me. And I know some of y'all's testimonies. God has been good to y'all also. So what he's saying is that in your suffering, keep suffering. That when you are going through this, because I did not die and be beat for you to not have an advocate who was in heaven. He did not die and, and, and was beaten because of anything that he had did wrong. He died and was beaten for us. So we need to walk in that freedom, knowing that Jesus has already paid the cost for us. So when I begin to carry this weight, when I begin to carry this cross, I know that, yes, I may be down right now, but joy is coming in the morning. I may be down right now, but joy is coming. Come here, Taz. Come here, Taz. And I'm done. Praise the worship team. Y'all can come. But joy is coming in the morning. The word of God says this. The word of God says this. It says, what profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul. Come here, y'all. Come here, y'all. Come here, come here. The prophet of man to gain the world but lose his soul. I told you that the enemy is the deceiver. Turn it, uh, turn it that way. Yep. No, like this. Go, go over there. Yep, right here. Pick it up. Pick it up. Yep. Well, yep, right here. Come right, come right here. Come right, come right here. Hold it up a little bit. Hold it up a little bit. Okay. So, um, what prophet of man to gain the whole world but die and lose his soul? This is a timeline of our life. This, imagine this being a life of 100 years. Imagine this being a life of 100 years. This is us right here when we're like toddlers and things like that. Like this is, this is our life when we're toddlers. And, and this is our adult life right here. This, this is our life to where we're going to get to the money. We're going to get to the bag right here. We're going to do everything that we can. I don't care what God is calling me to do. I'm going to get to the bag um, right here. And then when I get older, then when I get like right here, then maybe I'll begin to, to worship Jesus. And, and then maybe I'll begin to, to serve God. Um, this is how big we think our life is. This, this, this is how, much, how long we think we have. If we look at it like every little dot is just like a year. We think that we have a long time. This is how the enemy wants to come in and begin to show us our life. Y'all can move that out. Y'all can move that out. But I want to show y'all that this is actually how long your life is. In comparison to eternity. 
Because look, in this little area right here, that's when you were born. In, in this little area right here, that's when you think that you're going to get everything that you got. And then in this little area right here, that's when you think you're going to finally begin to serve God. The enemy wants us to think that your life is long, but in, rea- in relation to eternity. In relation to eternity. The enemy is nothing but a deceiver. The enemy wants nothing to do but to sit here and to have you sacrifice this port right here for all of this. What what profit a man to gain the whole world but die and lose his soul? I'm done. If you don't know this Jesus that we are talking about, I urge you as the prayer, as the altar workers come, I urge you to come and to understand this Jesus that we are preaching about. Listen, the enemy wants you to think that your life is long. The enemy wants you to think that your life is big. No. No. We are going to suffer some things in life, whether we are believers or not. Do not allow emotions to dictate what we hear. We must take up our cross. We must die daily. We must must say, God, for you I live and for you I die. That whatever you are asking of me, I'm going to do that. And we are not going to be the one who turns away. If you want prayer, if you want prayer, the altar is open. It's a new season. It's a new day. God is calling you right now. Send me. 